When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. Hi, I'm Brianna Foster. I'm here with Sophia Romani. Am I saying that right? Okay. Um, fellow badass single mother. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a chance to introduce yourself, Sophia. Well, I'm Sophia Romani. I'm a single, queer, non-binary, moderately disabled mom. Um, I am 32. I live in Minneapolis. It's horribly cold outside right now. I own a business. I'm a healer. I wear a lot of hats. That's who I am. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Love that. So single mom, I, which I actually, the way, the way that we met was through Instagram. I remember being pregnant and being like, I don't know anyone who's pregnant or a mom or a single mom. And I literally just typed, I think, hashtag single mom or like hot mom or something. And your profile came up and I was like, oh my God, she's a badass and she's a single mom. Like, oh my gosh, goals. And that's how we met through Instagram. Like, a couple years ago. I think we were both pregnant at the time. Yeah, we were pregnant at the same time. Um, so when I first got pregnant, um, when I decided to follow through with my pregnancy, I was single. And I was like, okay, if I do this, I'm going to have a single pregnancy. And like, who of our generation doesn't go to Instagram and instantly search <laughs> and look for examples of that thing that you're trying to do? And what I saw was just like, literally two people. It was literally two. And I was just like, no one, I can't be the only, we can't be the only three out there. And I was just like, okay, so I'm going to do this. And I'm really like empowered by that, but there needs to be like, I don't know, some kind of like network of us. So I just started posting about my journey and being a single pregnant person and the amount of people that reached out to me and still continue today has been like kind of crazy and overwhelming. Um, but I just think that because there's such a stigma about being a single parent, being a single mother, being a parent or a mother at all, but then also being single and pregnant, it's just like, what are you doing? It's a total like rebellious act against, I'll say it, the patriarchy. <laughs> um, oh and, and people are uncomfortable with that. I've lost friends because of it. I've gained friends because of it. Um, I lost a job because of it. 
which I can't say too much about, but you know, there's just like any number of things that, that get tied into people having a problem with you doing something outside of like the status quo. And I think single motherhood and being a single pregnant person in this world can be at the very forefront of that a lot of times. No, absolutely. And it's crazy hearing the similarities in our stories because I have a feeling with just the sheer amount of people that have reached out to you and I've been a little bit more private. I haven't shared my story as much online, but I have a sneaking suspicion that there's so many people out there with similar experiences. Like I also lost a job being a single pregnant person. Um, I also had a hard time finding people in similar situations. Like your page was, like you said, like one of, there was three when I looked now instead of four, you know, like, or two. And so um, it's crazy to think that there's so many people going through this, but because of the stigma or because of maybe like in my situation, wanting to remain private, like some of these things aren't shared. So it's so important to have people like yourself who are actually sharing their story for people to relate because you're all the way, I mean, we would have, we never would have met otherwise. You're all the way over in Minneapolis. I'm in LA and just like seeing your story was like inspiring. And I was also single when I decided to go through with the pregnancy. And it's so important to see other people doing it just to know that it's possible. That it's possible and that there's nothing wrong with it and that we shouldn't be punished for it. You know what I mean? Our society is structured so that you don't get rewarded for producing the next generation of people unless you check these certain boxes, heteronormative, with a man, you know, in a marriage, blah, 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 have a house. And of course, like some of the, the longer you go down the list, some of those things become a little more interchangeable, especially as time progresses. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that that, you know, quintessential American nuclear family is like more the rarity these days and probably has been for a long time. Um, mm. I remember finding out I was pregnant at a Planned Parenthood because I was actually going in to get an IUD, which is insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> sitting there and they're asking me the questions and they were like, have you ever wanted to be a parent? And I'm like, oh, I definitely do, but not right now. And they were like, why? And I was like, because I don't have a partner. And the nurse said the most perfect thing. She just said, there are many ways to be a parent. And that blew my mind. And it's exactly what I needed to hear before she figured out I was pregnant and had to come back and tell me that there's not going to be an IUD today. Oh my God. She didn't even know you were pregnant yet. No, we were just going through the, like the preliminary questionnaire. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, that is amazing. That like stuck with me so hard. Like the sentiment of there are many ways to be a parent is so true. Even if you do fit into that, like that typical nuclear family, like I mentioned, but for those of us, most of us that do not, um, it's just something that I hope everyone realizes and understands. There's no... There's no perfect way. And that is something you get challenged with daily as a parent. You're going to mess up. You cannot be a perfect parent. It's not what children need, for one, and it's completely unobtainable. So, no you're <laughs> no you're fine but like tell me why the planned parent cuz i planned parenthood has saved my life 
a million times, you know? Tell me why the nurses there are just straight up angels. They just, for some reason, are a different breed of nurse. I Shout out Planned Parenthood. Like, really, love Planned y'all. Parenthood, thank you. Because, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> it's because of Planned Parenthood, I felt empowered to become a parent as a single mm. person. It's because of them. And I just, I love telling that story. Like they're the reason why I did this. And I mean, there's obviously other reasons, but like to have that as my foundation of like, okay, we support you. You're going to go home now and you're going to take all this information. These are all of the options. You are capable of any of it. It just has to do with what you want. And there's obviously other factors that you have to consider and weigh against themselves and whatever, but the end of the day, like your heart knows. And I think that (laughs) at risk of sounding really cliche, you have to follow your heart, you know, you just do. And there's certain things you can do to bolster yourself and like set yourself up in the right direction. Simultaneously, you're up against a lot. Absolutely. I love that too. You brought up a good point that like Planned Parenthood specifically is there no matter what. And I'm turning this into an ad for Planned Parenthood now, but like literally Planned Parenthood was there for me through my pregnancy as well. And also two abortions and their non-judgmental like support is so, so, so important because specifically I've been to other hospitals when I had my second abortion, um, and I know this is a controversial topic, but um, I I did the medical, like the pill, and I was warned that it would be like really painful, but I wasn't sure if I was dying or not <laughs> throughout it, you know? So I went to a hospital. I actually took myself to the ER because I was like, this doesn't feel right. But in the end, it was. This is really painful. And um, yeah, but like the hospital that I went to was um, affiliated with a certain religion and they shooed me away basically and were like well you shouldn't have had an abortion and i was like okay literally called planned parenthood they denied, you, they denied you the necessary medical they denied care. me care and it's so crazy because it's like i was raised really religious and so i i get it but like what the hell <laughs> you know it's still crazy to see <laughs> sorry Oh, that just nope. like really bothers me so much. Dude, it's wild. And it's like, I mean, I, I have a whole bone to pick with religious trauma, you know, but like, what about, how, what about, okay, what about your childhood? Were you raised religious? I was raised Catholic. I'm Italian. My stepfather's Mexican. That's who raised me. Um, so I lived in a blended, multiracial multi-belief system we'll call it because no one was ever really on the same page with religion but um super super patriarchal super machismo super misogynistic super like you're the problem you little whore <laughs> whatever oh, man, um, yeah. it was it was a violent place to grow up in for in many different aspects um especially being like a little queer kid, just like having no concept of what I was or who I was because 
I was supposed to believe that what they were telling me I was was true and none of that was healthy. So my childhood was really rough. I actually had a lot of trauma growing up. Um, and I think that has informed my abilities to parent far beyond that of most, to be honest. Um, it has, my upbringing has informed my parenting, like, I think more than a lot of folks out there, I think um, coming out of adversity is going to benefit anybody. But when you're applying that to raising a child with like intention and love and care, compassion, like those being your pillars, you start to be able to process that trauma in a whole new way. So there's a lot of cycle breaking going on in our household and there's a lot of um, just intentionality and like really being able to hold space for everyone's feelings and being human, like not trying to be zenned out all the time because that's not realistic. Like I'm an Italian raised in a Mexican household. We have big feelings, okay? <laughs> we say lots of loud things. Um, so yeah, I just, in a way, like I'm grateful that I have that experience of life to kind of push me forward into being a really good parent to my son. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and I think you kind of touched on it before. I, I mean, our kids don't need us to be perfect. You know, it also wouldn't be attainable. They look up to us and they are going to, they're going to do what we do, you know. And if we're perfect, that would be a crazy unattainable goal for them anyways. And they really just need us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, it's been one of the hardest things for me too, because I feel like when you, when you're on your own self-growth journey, you become like hyper aware of like your childhood trauma and like the way it affected you. And then as a parent, you be, you're like aware of how it's affecting your kid. And so it can be really triggering, <laughs> like parenting. I didn't expect it to be so triggering, you know, but I'm like, oh my God, this is like, this could potentially traumatize him this way. But I think just even acknowledging that as parents and like holding space to like apologize to your kid is something that, you know, a lot of us never even got, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna blow up. We're gonna have like moments that we wish we could have done better, but just like apologizing for that. Literally like the other day I've, so I've been in the process of trying to get a passport for my son, which getting a passport for a minor while co-parenting with a difficult ex is so impossible. There's just a million hoops to jump through. Don't recommend it on my worst enemy, but, um, I was, I was at the post office for like the fourth time, like my fourth passport appointment, right? Trying to get all my paperwork together. And they were like, oh, this notarized permission has expired. And I... Oh, it's always it's, the notarized thing, isn't it? Oh my God, yes. And I was just like, oh my God, the hoops I had to jump through to get through this. And, you know, my two-year-old is being two. He's running around screaming at the post office. And I'm just like, oh my God. And I like picked him up and I was just like, 
stop screaming, you know? And like, he just looked at me like, I, I didn't even yell, but I just had a stern tone that he wasn't used to with me. And he just looked at me like I just shattered his whole world. And I was just like, oh my God, I immediately felt so guilty. And he was just quiet the rest of the time, but just like teary eyed looking at me like this person I love the most just was mean to me, you know? And I was like, oh my God. So I had to just like go out to the car and like take put my head on the steering wheel and take like five deep breaths and then turn around and apologize to him. And it's so, so, so humbling. But I feel like even though I felt horrible, I was thinking about it after and I was like, you know, I don't know that I ever got a moment like that from, say, like my dad who would have these explosive things. Like I never got a moment from him to be like, I'm sorry, I'll do better. Totally. And I think that's what makes being self-aware of those things and still going through the motion of like, having a freak out or having like a moment with your child and then doing the repair process afterward. It, there's so much value in that because then they're going to take that to their lives. And then you, that's the baseline you're creating for him. You know, that's the baseline that you're creating for their inner voice. Like I can be frustrated or overwhelmed or upset. And, you know, sometimes I'm not going to cope with it in the best way. Because not everyone, literally no one's going to cope with everything amazingly perfect 100% of the time, every time something happens. It's just not realistic, especially in this world we live in, you know, like everyone's triggered all the time for a reason, okay? <laughs> Systemic oppression doesn't shy away from the majority of people, right? We all feel it in some way. Um obviously more than others in some cases. Anyway, that's a different conversation. But I think if we give our kids the experience of how to use real life tools, like taking deep breaths and mm. removing yourself from the situation really quick so you guys can have some space to kind of like just be with yourself and then come back together. You know, yes. it shows that even in hard times when I'm frustrated by you or I'm just feeling insecure and like projecting frustration about that onto you, we can take a minute and then we can come back and everything's fine. This is still a secure place for you. This is still a stable, safe place for you. There's so much value in that. And the fact that we're parenting this way with our sons, that's going to reverberate into society in really gorgeous ways. Absolutely. And I think too, something that's important is for any new parents out there or single parents, especially hearing this, it takes time. I feel like for me, being a single parent from the start, like a single parent with a newborn is really just the craziest thing that I feel like someone can go through. Like the PTSD that I have from being a single parent with a newborn. You know, I, I also think that, you know, a lot of us, deal with like perfectionism and anxiety. And so like, I fully expected to be like good from the go, like, okay, I'm going to have my son, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to have all these skills right away. And it's like, you get thrown in this crazy scenario where you're not sleeping. You have like a screaming infant with you and you're just also scared because you're responsible for this new life. And it really is. I mean, to say it's insane is an understatement. I completely you know? 5,000% agree. I think being a single parent with a newborn is the most gruesome experience of life you can have. Like, I don't know how else to explain it. It's gruesome. It's ugly. It's messy. It's beautiful. But Jesus Christ, that shit was like explosive 
in some really interesting ways. And I'm not just blowouts, you know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> the way I always described it is like birth is like the launch. You, you launch this rocket into space and then you detach from whatever, you know, they do the detachment thing. Like, okay, that fuel thing is empty and whatever. You start shedding all this crap. <clears throat> and then out comes this little astronaut that's just tethered to you. And you have to like hold on to this little satellite of a person as you like slowly drift back down to earth. And you I love both that analogy. Die <laughs> when there's so <laughs> circumstances working against you, like PPD, PPA, postpartum rage was something that I have experienced so much of. And like, um, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't even know. Everyone knows postpartum depression. PPD yes. is like, yeah, that exists. Okay. Some people. Talk some people. Yeah. yeah. And if you, I feel like that would be a super helpful thing to speak on because I also, I had a lot of postpartum anxiety, which is another thing that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about, but um, I think I've seen some of your posts on postpartum rage. So what was your experience like figuring out that that's a thing? I was having like these outbursts, these like rageful episodes where I would just like start like screaming because I was just so overwhelmed. Um, I, I'll kind of digress and backtrack a little bit. I definitely had postpartum depression. I recognized it really early on. I don't know a mom that doesn't have postpartum anxiety. <laughs> and that's yeah. something that should, that should get talked about way more because literally you are checking on your child to see if they're breathing every five minutes. And that's not an operation. <laughs> so I was having these outbursts and my partner at the time, so I, I was dating somebody right before I gave birth, but it was long distance. They were living in California. So I was still going through all of this shit alone. I had someone to talk about it too, but like they weren't really able to be around that much. So I'll just say that. I had some emotional support from a distance. <laughs> so my partner was just like, yo, like this is not normal behavior. And I'm just like, my life is not normal. And keep in mind when I was going through my postpartum period, COVID had hit about four months into show's life. Minneapolis started, the uprising started. Yeah, you were right at the center of all of it. I was right there watching my city burn, watching the world suddenly go into a pandemic, you know. Just baby in the middle of an apocalypse. Just like so much to handle while also being a single parent with a newborn, while also being a queer person while also trying to figure out my new identity, not just like gender identity, but like my identity as a person. You don't recognize yourself because you're brand fucking new. That's the part that I think people also don't realize is like your identity just comes like apart and you have to figure out how to put yourself back together. So all of that stress, all of that, and my just where I was at in my mental health journey and like the schools that I schools, the skills that I had in my toolbox to be able to cope with all of that, they just weren't as well developed as I had hoped they would be by the time this all came around. And that's after being in therapy for I think at least maybe um but it would all just become so much and um it was scary and intense. So when my partner told me that postpartum rage was like an actual thing. I was really taken aback, but I instantly felt so much less alone. And it was like, even just knowing that that's a thing has so much power in like helping me cope with the fact that I'm like 
all this anger is just like flowing out of me in such a loud and like really scary way. It feels out of control. Like, and you don't want to be screaming at the wall because the nail won't go in it because you want to hang the picture. You don't want to be screaming at the blinds. Like, it's just like crazy shit. I don't want to be freaking out over which pair of scissors you're using to cut whatever the fuck you need to cut. It was crazy shit, right? Absolutely. So I started doing research on it and I thought about maybe going to support groups, but I kind of went back to my tried and true tool connection and processing Instagram. And I started posting about postpartum rage. And I was like, this is what I've learned. This is what I've experienced. I guarantee that there's at least a few other people that have experienced this. Literally every mom I know, every single mom I know, every birthing person I know was just like, I go so personally, I have um, always been a really chilled person or whatever, and I never felt rage like I did in the first six months of my son's life. Like, like you're saying, over the littlest things, it's it's so yeah, lit- literally. It makes you feel so out of control, and I hate using this term because it does suck, but it makes you feel crazy. It makes you feel like you're, you've lost it. And I will say that I feel that I did have undiagnosed, like an undiagnosed form of psychosis because my birth was traumatic and like being that sleepless, they compare it to like wartime torture. They use sleep tactics, like sleep deprivation tactics to torture people in today's modern world. And that's what we're just going through because there's such a lack of support for mothers in general. And if you're doing it alone, yeah, right. And of course, we all talk about it takes a village and we have our village, but they have jobs, they have lives, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them don't follow through with the things they said they were going to help you out with, you know, or they do it once and they feel good about themselves and like, thank you for that one time, but you never see them again. Or it's like they did it three times. And it's like, I have a constant need of like hourly attendance and I am not getting it. So yeah. I think that that's a huge huge deficit in our society when it comes to familial support. How are we supporting parents in a real way, not just with paid maternity leave? I mean, physical support. Like, I think we should be state funding, like, postpartum doulas and, you know, in-home nurses or in-home assistants. Why are we leaving people who just pushed something out of their body or had something cut out of their body or just brought this new little sweet creature home from whatever situation you get your child in, why are we not offering better support to those who really need it? Absolutely. And like like you were talking about, it takes a village. We don't live in a society anymore where we're connected like a village. We're all so disconnected. Even like I remember, so I grew up in like the suburbs of Los Angeles and like I had neighbors that I felt like I could go to, but like that's not a thing anymore. We don't know our neighbors, especially living in like a big city. Um, I, I live in like a bungalow now and I don't even know my neighbors that well at all. So it's not like I can just go to the neighbor's house and be like, Hey, can you watch my kid for a second? Or even simple, like when you have a newborn, I think a lot of people have this misconception. And if you're listening and you know, a single parent, like offer to do their dishes, like offer to like come over and like, yeah, just do something. (laughs) Right. Like everyone, everyone offers to come watch and like help with the baby, but like postpartum anxiety, I was like, I don't want anyone to touch my baby. Right. Like oh my I want to be the one holding my baby. Like take care of me. 
Take, yes, care of take care of the birthing parent. And then if there's a support parent that also needs help or a support person, like take care of them second. Baby is up to the main character, caretaker. There's always a main caretaker. Caretaker. Sorry. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, I totally agree. Yeah. If you're listening and you know any parents in your lives, like please go, go buy them diapers, go buy them wipes, yes. bring them a grocery gift card. Do their grocery shopping for them. Go pick their stuff up. Whatever. Do them favors because any little bit will mean so much to them. It will make a huge difference. It is so hard because we don't live in a communal structure anymore. I think Mm -hmm. our generation, like millennials or young millennials, older Gen Zs, millennials, I think we saw kind of the bitter end of that kind of communal connection. And I think now we're in such a divide that people don't trust each other as much or as easily anymore. And I think that just speaks to like how many deep there are that we have to deal with on a societal level. But, you know, in that there's creating an even bigger deficit where there already was one. Absolutely. Yeah. And we are, we were right on the cusp of so much with like technology. Like we were the last generation, I feel like to see, what it was to go out and not have everyone be taking pictures and be on your phone. Just to like experience. <laughs> yeah. Just to like yeah. be alive. Um, TikTok where it was just like this older guy reenacting what it was like to be a kid. And he got on his bike, rode to his friend's house, walked into his friend's home, said, hi, Mrs. Whoever. And then went to his friend's room and was like, let's go. And they were like, what are we doing? I don't know. Okay. And that was it. And that's so true. That's like literally what we did. And you just, even the concept of that is just like, I would never do that. I would never want my child to do that. But it's like, why? Why don't we want that again? You know? Anyway, sorry. Getting a little off topic. No, no, you're fine. I, um, as we're doing this, I just handed my child a tub of Vaseline to rub all over his face. So, you know, anything. Some good, like, sensory stimulation. Right. We're learning self-care. Yeah. Single parenthood at its finest. I'm just like, you got it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, but definitely I, something else I wanted to touch on. So you, uh, your story is unique and important in the sense that you are parenting as a non-binary person. So I wanted to hear your thoughts because you still identify with the title mom, correct? Okay, so I wanted to hear your thoughts on how your experience has been with that and coming to that, um, I guess, like coming out with that, coming out with your story. Um, so I didn't fully realize or like ever question that I had been kind of questioning for a while, but I just like didn't pay it much mind because I, I'm really femme and I feel very femme. Um, and then I saw someone who kind of looks like me. And I was like, well, I'm not just a parent. Like, yes, I'm a parent. I, I'm a mother. I'm a creator, a life giver. And that's what's good for me. Like some people who are non-binary and have given birth don't feel that way. And that's fine. But for me, I've always felt like the term mother, mom, mommy fits who I am. And I I do this from the perspective that I believe motherhood is not reserved for the cisgendered and heteronormative of this world. I think you can be a mother in many different capacities. I think 
motherhood is an open call to those who feel the call. You know what I mean? It's, there's, you know, just like Kirsten from Planned Parenthood, Nurse Kirsten told me there are many ways to be a parent. There's many ways to be a mother. So Mm. it's something I like to speak on on Mother's Day to remind people, like, there's so many different ways to be a mother. And that's not just to living children or to um, children in general. You can be a mother in so many different ways. You know, you can be, I, I just feel like being a mother is inherently creative you can be a mother to art. You can be a mother to the earth. You can be a mother, like, in any way that you think you can apply it, it's possible. So it's a lot more of a fluid term to me than I think most of us or most of society would want it to be portrayed as because it's kind of taken it hostage within the binary and within, you know, kind of commodifying, like, oh, don't you want to be happy and become a mother and use your body for the only thing the patriarchy thinks it's good for? Don't you want that? (laughs) And it's like, not for that reason, but, you know, Mm. so I just think that um, there's so much power and wisdom in that define feminine and um, it is not reserved for cis hetero um, identities because it's where we all come from. We come from a mother of sorts. And I think it's a lot more ambiguous than, than more people. Well, then Absolutely. I think it's been portrayed as or marketed as, you know? Yeah, no. And I think that as a whole, society needs to do less gatekeeping on titles. And if people just like, you know, it's a little bit like if you... Like, who are we to say who each other is? You know, the human experience is so complicated and so unique. And it's like, if you if you identify with it, just like, let people identify. Um, yeah, I think everyone comes to... So I know you said you always wanted to be a mother. I had a very opposite experience. Yeah, I never really wanted to be or thought about being a parent. And so like coming to terms with the title mother, it still feels weird sometimes. And I think that there was that, what was it, like Grimes posted that her baby doesn't call her mom, they call her by her name or whatever. And I was like, I was like, I mean, like, go for it. You know, like, I love that. Like, yeah. Again, many different ways to be a parent, many different ways to be a mother. It's choose your own adventure. We don't have to, like, abide by these societal norms. We don't have to abide by you know, the rules that have been projected onto us for our whole lives. It's your life. It's your creation. It's your baby. You get to do it. So. Right. And it's also like, we know it's like projected onto us to keep us in that one role. Like you were saying, like the patriarchy, like it's, it's the one thing we're good for or whatever traditionally. And I think that that still comes up for a lot of a lot of birthing people in the sense that like you can it's so easy to lose other parts of your identity when you become a parent because it is so all-consuming and it is so demanding and um i know that that can come into play with dating like i feel like (laughs) at least personally being a single parent like dating is so so hard and it can feel so meaningless at times especially with like a newborn you're like okay am I really going to spend this hour going on a date that could potentially be terrible 
and then you know and you also so you said you were you were dating someone when you were pregnant though and then that ended that ended um what was it like going through a breakup as a single parent well there comes a point where you just realize like you're the one in the thick of parenting and in the reality especially like given the context of our relationship it was long distance and they didn't have a ton of money i didn't have a ton of money so it was just like our hopes were that i would move out to california but my son has a really solid relationship with his father and that's really important to me um and i wasn't about to be the person that broke that up just because i wanted to go see if this relationship works so i would suggest like what if you came here and then it was sort of this debate of like but my career is out here and i'm like okay but like the family you want is out here and it just started to kind of devolve over time and um you know there was other things going on but i just got to this point where i realized like if this is really if this is really the situation you wanted to be in if you really wanted to commit yourself to a family that you've been you know building a relationship with you would come be here and they just were kind of like had blinders on and i was like okay um that's gotta end the fact that I split custody with my son's father was helpful so that I had time to process and grieve, but um, it was hard. It was really hard because you have like this family structure and it kind of feels like it's the bookend to, you know, having a child while single. And then there's someone there that's interested. It's just like, holy shit, I struck gold. But then you realize it's not going to work like, and that's okay. Um, but you have to, you have to grieve a lot. You have a, a lot to grieve. Um, so yeah, it was hard, but I don't regret it. And I'm glad I made that decision. And, um, yeah, it was like a huge chance to grow. It made me realize the kind of parent I want to be. Yeah, it was hard, but it was valuable, you know, and my experience with the person like when we were together was still really valuable and it taught me a lot. I learned so much about myself. I mean, I learned how to grapple with like these deeper, darker parts of my own mental health. You know, the postpartum rage was a huge part of that. So in essence, overall, I think it was positive, um, albeit frustrating. Yeah because I was alone for most of a relationship that lasted about a year. So, yeah, I mean, being long distance, yeah, that would be difficult, especially in a situation as isolating as being a single parent. I think it can be hard for someone to understand what you're going through already, but especially if they're not physically there, if they're somewhere else across the country. Yeah, and they, um, would, they would come, but then it was like, or we would go out there and I would have to like reteach them all the routines because they forgot there and they changed so quickly because the baby's growing so fast. So I was constantly have to do this extra labor of like, okay, this is, so I'm still like single parenting half the time because my partner was like kind of clueless and to no fault of their own other than just not being around. Um, and then to have to get used to being taken care of half of that time and you know, attended to, and then for that to just suddenly be gone was like 
that was traumatizing in of itself because now I'm back to being alone and I have to readjust all of this again. And so does my child. So it was just the, there's an inconsistency in that. And though it's, it was manageable, clearly, um, it was. I think too, though, like a lot of single parents, and I don't know if you feel this, but I definitely feel like there's a pressure to, to like, only introduce a relationship that is going to work. I know it's different because you were pregnant when you were dating, but um, there's an added pressure of like, okay, I can't be doing this back and forth when I have my kid. Like, I feel like before like dating um, just as an individual, just as a single person, not a parent, it's like, okay, I can do this back and forth. I can have an on-off relationship, whatever. But like what parent wants to bring that to their kid? Exactly. And so thing that negatively affects you affects your child and you don't want people yeah. to out of their life because we just all know that that's not healthy. That probably happened to some of us definitely happened to me growing right. up and you know, it's hard to like make a connection and then have it ripped away. And then you just never see that person or hear about them again. It's confusing to a child and you want to minimize as much damage or harm because our version of helicopter parent is I'm afraid of traumatizing my child. So yes. <laughs> that's like our our generation's like parenting kryptonite, I guess. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh my god, for sure. And it's such a it's such a controversial topic too, like when you should introduce your partner to your children. Like I know the a lot of people say like six months, but it's like <laughs> how how are you supposed to know that you're gonna like form a relationship with someone if you don't see them interact with your kid and know how they are with kids and also like six months doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be a lasting relationship like I actually have the best scenario about dating that I just went through that touches on all of this oh my god yes please share so after that last breakup, I, you know, really was just kind of seeing to myself kind of casually dating no one meets my son because I'm just, I'm not sure like if anything's going to turn out. And I'm also just really focused on working on myself, but I finally meet somebody who I really like and we totally fall in love. And, um, we start talking about like introduction of kids. This person had two kids that are older. They were 13 and 11 or something. And then, um, or something like, I don't care. I do care. <laughs> like, I love them, like in an arrested relationship. Um, but then my son, he's three now and we're, you know, we start talking about it and I always try to make sure I'm on the same page with my son's father because like, I think that the parent, the other parent deserves a little autonomy or at least communication about it. And we have an agreement like that we trust each other to know when it's a good time and we'll leave that up to the other. Um, so I think in that there's also like, if you do co-parent, it's really helpful to just have like the trusted support of the co-parent. And if that can happen, if possible, if that can't happen, then they don't deserve to be involved with the with that particular situation. Um, so 
the fact about younger kids that we can consider in this kind of dynamic is that they're so young that if the connection is lost, it's really not going to affect them that much. You can also kind of mitigate like how you present the relationship. So my partner and I at the time decided like, you're just going to be my new friend and Sholo is going to meet my new friend and we're going to hang out sometimes. We're going to do some stuff together sometimes, just like we would with any one of our other friends. Um, and that worked really well for us. It was really sweet. And um, eventually we started to do like sleepovers, but Sholo and I would sleep in one bed and then my partner would sleep in a separate room. And so we kind of were able to like manage it so that it wasn't just like, look at mom making out with this person in the kitchen all of a sudden, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. What was you doing? So um, I think it comes down to how you manage it, especially with younger kids who don't quite understand. Now with his kids that were older, um, you know, the stakes are a little higher. They had gone through a divorce during the pandemic, you know, they had gone through a ton of stuff. And, you know, their mental health was like super high concern. It's just going to affect them differently. So we decided to pause. I never did meet them because we decided to break up. Um, But in a way, I mean, there's, it's strange because there's like a grief there. I'm sure on either side of it where my ex-partner is having to grieve like letting go of my son and I'm grieving never having met these kids that I've heard so much about that I think are marvelous people. Um, I've bought gifts for them before, you know, and like obviously had their, their dad bring them to them. But yeah, it's just, you think you're going to develop these relationships and then you realize in the end, like it's not going to happen. And so I think in some ways it's unavoidable, but you can do it in a healthy way and you can talk about it too. I talk about it with Sholo, you know, like I told them that my partner and I, we, we weren't going to be friends anymore, <laughs> basically, mm. you know, <laughs> kind of like put, breaking it down into three-year-old toddler terms that he could understand right. and letting him see me feel sad about that. It's hard to keep it together when you're moving through a breakup while you're trying to parent. That's and so I, powerful though. Yeah. I was like visibly sad and he, he understands what sad is and he's like, you're crying. And I'm like, yeah, I'm crying really sad. And he'll ask why. And I'm like, well, so-and-so doesn't want to be my friend anymore. And I think it's, we're not going to be friends, you know, and just sort of breaking that down and talking about, you know, it makes me sad because I miss this person. I really care about this person. And it's, it's sad when you have to let go of people. So kind of giving them understanding of what I'm going through in a way that they can digest and that's appropriate so that they can kind of model that when the time comes or if they need to with this particular situation. Yeah. I mean, that's something though, you know, with any situation, you, you lose certain things and you gain certain things. Like there's really hard parts about being a single parent, obviously, but there's some bonuses. And I think one of the added benefits that you get that you don't get necessarily if you're not a single parent is you do get to teach your child in real time about dating, like through your experiences, like they're going to watch you date. They're going to see your experiences. They're going to watch you potentially break up. And so that's like a unique opportunity that we have as single parents, like show got to see you experience a breakup and handle that and heal from that. And I think that that's really powerful in itself. Yeah. Life after love, man. It, it, it's a skill that I wish I wasn't so good at. 
<laughs> I know, huh? I oh my god, I yeah, I feel you. Um, um, to be able to like demonstrate that to my son, if he should ever need it, which he will, because he's not going to go through a breakup in their life. Um, I it is like fortunate that he gets to see that me be human and we've only got a couple more minutes left i wanted you've already kind of touched on this about co-parenting and i know that when we first met one of the things that we talked about was having i mean how hard it is to co-parent with an ex and um i know that we've both been through the whole like couples counseling or co-parenting counseling and I'm curious. It seems like you have a better grip on it now. And so I'm like, what would be your advice to other single parents out there who might be co-parenting with a difficult ex or an ex who they have a difficult time communicating with? Yeah, I think it's funny because we actually got fired by our therapist. <laughs> I know. I remember you telling me that. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I get we it. didn't know how to handle our case. It was out of her wheelhouse. My son's father and I, we never had like an established relationship. It was really just like a casual thing, um, which adds a whole other layer of contention to our dynamic. And um, without saying too much, he does, or at least has harbored a lot of resentment towards me. There's, there's some resentment that he had a hard time dealing with about the fact that I chose to follow through with the pregnancy. And um, that still plays out sometimes. And we tried to do the whole therapy thing. That didn't work out because our therapist didn't know what to do with us. It was like totally not something she was prepared and prepared to treat. And also like only one participating in like a productive way. What's the point of going? It was pretty much just one hour every week, way too early on a Friday morning, Sophia gets demonized for being pregnant. And it was horrible. So, <laughs> oh, no. Um, and, you know, I've tried so many times, like, over the years to try to level with him and be like, well, why don't we try to, like, do some things that can, like, bond us as a family, but still respect boundaries and all of that. And sometimes it's worked out well and sometimes it hasn't. It's always an ongoing thing. But for the most part, I've come to the conclusion that if they don't want to see you and they don't want to choose kindness when it comes to interacting with you and they don't want to validate your experience and, you know, be a decent person, then that's not your job. So boundaries 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 just become 10 times more important when you have a kid. And um, you also have to kind of call yourself and catch yourself on the shit that you bring to the table too. Like if you participate in a dynamic, like if you've been caught up in that like text storm dynamic where you're just angry texting each other, that's not conducive to a co-parenting relationship. And I've totally gotten caught up in that. And so I guess I got to a point where anytime that that happened, which became less over time. But anytime it happened, I was just like, I don't like being the person that comes out ripping him a new one every time he just is an idiot. Mm, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh my like, gosh, yeah. Okay, you're an idiot. Well, guess what? Whatever. It wasn't productive. That, like, nagging, nagging woman trope. Literally. Or you're being crazy. 
my god. So I pretty much just decided, like, I'm going to keep it to need to know information. I'm not going to engage in any little, like, pieces for me. You know, like, the fact that the lawyer doesn't help because he wants to argue literally everything, even if it's pointless. So it takes a lot for me to have to remember, like, I don't have to engage with that. I can just be like, you have to develop a skill about how to be flat, informational, and just kind of cut yourself off a little bit. Yes. Which I love had that. To maintain a healthy relationship with him, you know? And yeah. it's not that I don't care. And it's not that I don't see like emotional supporting connection to my co-parent. Like, of course I want that, but it's not plausible because they can't participate in the dynamic in a like positive way. Then. No, I mean, I mean, I received similar advice and I, I totally agree because I think that people have this misconception of um, co-parenting with an ex who has been abusive or is narcissistic or has tendencies, whatever, um, that like, that they're always that way, but like they, they're capable, like you can co-parent with a toxic ex and at times they can be cooperative or seemingly really involved and present and kind and it's easy for people to confuse that with like, oh, okay, like, so it should be fine. Like, you should be able to like, let your guard down. You should be able to do all that. But I think it's so important in parallel parenting and co-parenting to be consistent with your own boundaries so that no matter what your co-parent is doing on their end, you know that you've got your shit backed up on your end, you know? And like, like you said, you know, it can be, it can be good. They can be involved and whatever, but you got to be firm in your boundaries as well. But back to like boundarying, you know, having boundaries. Um, you can still have like a really healthy and good relationship even at an arm's length. You know, you can still do that at an arm's length. You and that's something I've had to really learn. Like I don't have to intertwine or enmesh myself with this person's life to still give our son a beautiful life. You know. He's still capable of being an amazing dad, you know, and there's, there's a few things we disagree on with parenting. He does kind of take more, like, more tough parenting styles and I am not into that. I'm into like emotionally attunement or emotional attunement and like, um, yeah, just gentle parenting and um, just staying present and like helping my son learn about himself so that he knows how to cope with the world. Um, no, I mean, I, I just, I think the arm's length thing is so important. You know, you can, you can still have an involved relationship at arm's length. And, right. um, you know, I think again, same as like having a newborn and being a single parent, it just takes time. You know, every it's new for everyone. Everyone's adjusting. Um, for any single parents out there co-parenting, just my advice would be like, give yourself some grace and some time because it eventually all works out one way or another, you know, might take longer for others, but it just, it just takes time. Um, speaking of time, we are, we could talk for hours, but I feel like we are at time. <laughs> um, so I wanted to give you a chance to go ahead and tell people where they can find you. 
Yes. So I have my personal Instagram page is at Mother Sparkle with no vowels. So it's M T H S P R K L. And then you can find my healing business, The Feel, at the T H E dot feel, T H E A L. And that's also on Instagram. Um, if you're a single parent and you just need to like, talk about some shit, please hit me up. I love hearing from people. I love talking to single parents. I love, you know, sometimes the best help is just being able to bounce ideas off of someone or whatever. So reach out, let me know. I, um, I also do like Reiki distance healing. So if you're in need of some healing, hopefully, Yeah, and speaking from personal experience, you were super helpful to me when I was pregnant and when I had a newborn. So I 10 out of 10 recommend reaching out to her. Thank you so much. Yes, I appreciate that so much. It makes me really happy to hear that. Um, Because it also, it helps heal me, you know? Healing is like the center of my life. Yeah. um, I feel healed when I help others do the same for themselves. So, yes. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single on Purpose private community online. It's off of social media, no ads, no algorithms. We got forums, we got live groups, we got webinars, and we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life, and I will see you inside.